Aristea Goes Everywhere Episode 5 Sarajevo Every night when Aristea went to bed, her mother or her grandmother or her auntie would tell her stories of places and people all over the world. And every night, Aristea would dream of great people and breathtaking places. In the morning when she awoke, Aristea would continue to think about the stories and her dreams. Aristea thought she must be a princess, and she had been trying to figure out for quite a long time all the things that a princess must do. So far, she had discovered that while there were a great many things a princess should do, there were also many things a princess could do. But since Aristea was trying to become the best princess she could possibly be, she had decided to be as well-rounded a princess as possible. She knew that princesses should be brave even if they were afraid, and that they should also be smart so that they could figure out very distressing situations. Aristea had also learned that princesses did not all have long, beautiful hair like her own long, beautiful, golden-brown hair. And although princesses could have mustaches, Aristea was hoping she would not have one when she grew up. One day, Aristea's mother had an idea. I'd like to take you to visit one of the most interesting cities in the Balkans, Antonella told her. Let's go visit your Auntie Anita in Sarajevo. The drive to Sarajevo from Novi Sad was very long, and Aristea slept most of the way. Antonella told her that was for the best because the roads on the Bosnia side of the border twisted and turned alarmingly, and many people got carsick while traveling them. Aristea wasn't sure whether princesses got carsick, but she was glad not to find out. So Aristea was completely refreshed when they arrived in Sarajevo and unpacked at a special lodge located just near a historic bridge over the Miljaska River, which ran right through Sarajevo. Aristea loved exploring the lodge, which was decorated with all sorts of eclectic things like zebra skins and specially carved Bosnian bookcases, as well as many, many pictures from throughout history. But soon, Antonella was ready to take Aristea to eat and meet Auntie Anita at a very interesting traditional restaurant just near Sarajevo's main marketplace, which is called Bisharsia. The two took the tram, which Antonella informed Aristea was the very first electric tram to have ever been built in Europe, to a restaurant called Inat Kucha. And there, waiting for them, was her auntie. Aristea ran to her for hugs, and then they all settled down in the very traditionally decorated eating area. The owner of the restaurant was a friend of Aristea's auntie, and he came over to personally greet them all. Tell me, Anita, have you told the story of Inat Kucha to your beautiful niece here? The owner asked. I love stories, Aristea burst out. Please tell me this one. We have to tell it quickly, Antonella said. We have a lot planned for today. The owner took a deep breath to recite the story, and Anita quietly commented to her sister and niece, You know, there's never a story that can be told quickly in the Balkans. Antonella snorted a quiet laugh as the owner began. About 150 years ago, the Habsburgs, then in charge of Bosnia and Herzegovina, wanted to build that beautiful building over there, which we call Viechnica. They bought all the houses that were in the Mahala, which existed at the time, to prepare for that building, 
except for one. And this man, who was quite stubborn as Sarabans can be, refused to sell. Now the Habsburgs could have just taken the land, but they wanted everything to appear careful and legal, and so they continued to try to negotiate. Finally, the man agreed to sell for a big bag of gold. But that wasn't the only thing he demanded. He also demanded that the Austrian soldiers move his house, which he was very attached to, across the river brick by brick and rebuild it on the other side. The Austrians readily agreed, but they didn't understand the culture of Elat, or spite, that was a part of Sarajevo. As the soldiers moved each brick, the stubborn owner positioned himself on the edge of the bridge, smoking and probably drinking his coffee in Rakia, and he would shout insults and smoke as the Austrian army toiled away preparing his house. And that is why this restaurant, in the same house that was rebuilt across the river, is called Inat Kucha. The owner smiled broadly, and Aristea laughed and clapped as he bowed and said ciao. After he was gone, she turned to her auntie Anita. It was a funny story, but it also seemed a bit mean. Anita laughed. To a Sarajevan, it is not mean. It is meant to make sure no one thinks they're better than anyone else. You should see what they did to our most famous novelist, Ivo Andrich. Aristea looked out the window at the beautiful Viechnica, which really looked very much like a small palace from an Eastern fairy tale, and it made her think of her quest to become the best possible princess. Did Sarajevo have princesses? She asked her aunt. Sarajevo had many prominent women who could definitely be called princesses, even if they weren't actually of royal blood. But no, we didn't have princesses the way other kingdoms did. We do, however, have one particular tragic story of a duchess who visited us in 1914, Anita told her. Aristea wasn't sure she was ready for a story that started out telling you it was tragedy. All her princess stories had been tragedies so far, but none of them had gone so far as to say they were tragedies in the very beginning. Was she beautiful? Aristea asked quietly. Oh, she was just lovely, said Auntie Anita. Beautiful, smart, and kind. But she was very terribly treated outside of Sarajevo, and Sarajevo was one of the kindest places in the world to her. Aristea decided she wanted to hear this story of a duchess who was more loved in Sarajevo than in her own home. So she asked her auntie to tell her. Sophie Chotek was born into a noble family, but unfortunately her family was not quite noble enough for her to enter into marriage with the heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne, Archduke Franz Ferdinand. The Habsburgs were quite snobbish about who Habsburgs were allowed to marry, and Franz Ferdinand found it quite awful that they often ended up marrying each other. Aristea broke in. They married each other? She exclaimed in horror. Anita made a face. They were not the only royal family who did such a thing, although it did cause a lot of problems in their children. In fact, Franz Ferdinand himself pointed out that the Habsburg line needed to have some outside influence. Franz Ferdinand was not a much-loved future emperor. He had a terrible temper, which he was known to lose with quite a bit of frequency. He was grumpy, and he did not get along with his uncle, the emperor. He also suffered and nearly died from tuberculosis, 
and it was in this period of his life that he fell in love with Sophie. Aristea thought this sounded quite romantic and very poetic, but she wasn't sure what tuberculosis was, and so she asked her mother. Tuberculosis is a disease that can be in the lungs or bones, said Antonella. Now we have a vaccine for it, but it killed many, many people before that vaccine existed. People wasted away like ghosts and coughed and coughed and coughed until they were not strong enough to cough anymore. Aristea was horrified. It sounded absolutely tragic, but since she knew that Sophie and Franz Ferdinand would be married and come to Sarajevo eventually, he must have survived tuberculosis. That made her feel a little calmer until she remembered that this story was going to end in a tragedy. Auntie Anita continued, It took several years, but it became obvious that Franz Ferdinand would only have Sophie, and so the Habsburg family finally agreed to let them marry. But it was not to be a full marriage. Their children would not be allowed to inherit the Austro-Hungarian throne, and Sophie was not allowed to attend official events as her husband's equal. Many at court were vicious in making sure she felt snubbed, and this would further enrage Franz Ferdinand. The court chamberlain, Count Montenuovo, even went so far as to change Sophie's official photos to make her look old and ugly before they were circulated. What a terrible man, Aristea said. She felt very strongly that such behavior was simply not fair or acceptable. Auntie Anita went on without a pause, but Sophie and Franz Ferdinand were married for 14 years and had three children. And despite all the terrible things done to Sophie and all the stress of life as the heir to the Habsburg throne, it was obvious to everyone that the two were entirely devoted to each other. And then, at the end of June in 1914, the imperial couple came on an official trip to Sarajevo. Aristea just knew that the tragedy was going to take place in Sarajevo, and she cuddled closer to her mother as the story continued. Sarajevo was the very first place that Sophie visited with her husband that she was allowed to ride next to him in the car. And unlike other official engagements, she had a big role to play. She greeted local dignitaries and visited many local shops in Bischarcia to purchase local goods, most especially from a Jewish merchant named Elias Kabilo. She gave money to all the major religious organizations in the city as well, paying special attention to those who helped women and children. Everywhere the imperial couple went, and especially Sophie, crowds would gather and cheer. Franz Ferdinand noticed how beautifully the city of Sarajevo treated his wife, and he was grateful. And at the last banquet, he raised a toast and said, I think I'm coming to love Bosnia. I'm so glad that people here treated Sophie so nicely, Aristea exclaimed. What a beautiful thing in the story after so much meanness from others. Anita looked sad. Unfortunately, sometimes the worst things happen in the middle of the most beautiful things. Sophie and Franz Ferdinand had one final parade before they would return home to their children in Austria. As they drove towards Vyachnitsa, a member of an organization that wanted to remove Bosnia from the Austro-Hungarian Empire threw a bomb at their car. But Franz Ferdinand was quick, and he batted it away. It landed under the car of his aide and exploded. 
No one was killed, but they were severely injured, and even the notes of the speech that Franz Ferdinand was supposed to give were splattered with blood. Why would someone throw a bomb at people? Aristea asked, quite upset. She was glad that no one died in that bombing, but it seemed like a terrible way to get a point across. Antonella hesitated a moment and then answered Aristea's question. At that time, quite a lot of royalty in many parts of Europe were targeted by assassins. Even Franz Ferdinand's auntie, the Empress Sisi, was killed by an assassin in Switzerland. It was unfortunately very common. And it's time to be quiet, because the story is nearly finished. Auntie Anita continued. Even though their car had very nearly been bombed, and their aides behind them had been bombed and were terribly injured, Sophie and Franz Ferdinand still believed that they had to carry out their duty. In this case, speaking at Vyachnitsa. Franz Ferdinand made quite a big fuss at first, but Sophie was an expert at calming him down, often the only person who could calm him down, and he soon settled to his speech. Sophie herself had a meeting with the local Muslim wives, and they honored her very much by removing their veils in her presence. By all accounts, they found her very kind and charming. Soon it was time to leave, and this is when the tragedy happened. As they drove down the wrong street, a man jumped out and shot twice, killing both Sophie and Franz Ferdinand. The man was named Gavrilo Princip, and he was part of the same organization to remove Bosnia from the Austro-Hungarian Empire as the man who threw the bomb. He never regretted shooting Franz Ferdinand, but he did later say that he regretted that Sophie had died. That doesn't seem like sorry enough, Aristeas said. She was not happy with the tragic ending to Sophie's story, which had actually been quite tragic in several places. Many people think that as well, Antonella said, but some people truly hated being a part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and they thought that Gavrilo Princip was right to do what he did. Many more things happened before Sophie and Franz Ferdinand were able to rest in the tomb at their home in Artstetten Castle, but we don't have time for that. You should know one thing, though. The very last thing Sophie ever did, as her body was taken back to Austria by the train, was leave a substantial amount of money to a children's home in Sarajevo. She had asked her aide to donate the money before she was killed, and the aide carried out her last wishes. What a kind and wonderful person she was, Aristea said, even though so many people were so horrid to her. She was, Auntie Anita said simply. But now let's walk across the bridge and see Vyachnitsa, the last place that Sophie and Franz Ferdinand were together in public. Aristea thought Vyachnitsa was one of the most beautiful places she had ever seen, but it also seemed very haunted by sadness. Not only the sadness of assassination, but also the sadness of a place that had been destroyed by war not very long in the past. Vyachnitsa had been targeted near the beginning of the siege of Sarajevo in 1992 and nearly destroyed. Aristea was so thankful that it had been rebuilt so beautifully. After Vyachnitsa, Aristea and her mother and her auntie took some time to walk through Bisharsia. It was a very exciting place to explore unlike anything Aristea had ever seen in her life. The Ottoman style of the marketplace spilled out everywhere with coffee shops and stores, 
while the minarets of the mosque stretched into the sky and released their call to prayer, at the same time that beautiful churches were ringing their bells. She wanted to keep exploring, but she was so tired, and her auntie Anita decided that Aristea should go back to the lodge to rest. We have so much more to see tomorrow, Auntie Anita said. Are there more princesses? Aristea asked. There are always more princesses, her auntie told her, and Aristea fell asleep, dreaming about riding the first electric tram. <laughs>